Before we get into today's episode, just a quick content warning. We do talk about suicide in this interview, which I know can be distressing for some. So if you need resources or support, go to beyondblue.org and the number for Lifeline is 13 11 14. You can find all of these resources in our show notes. I want the fairy tale. I want the Prince Charming. She, how do I put this, isn't a fan of my kissing style. So we were boyfriend and girlfriend for about 12 hours. He's in a trash bin. He's non-recyclable. Catch you never. I love being in love. I love love. On today's episode of Where's Your Head At, we are so excited to be spending some time with the sexy and hilarious Chloe from Too Hot to Handle. Chloe is also an English model and previous beauty queen from Miss Super Talent Pageant, but you may also know her from the popular TV shows The Circle and The Perfect Match. We can't wait to chat all things dating, toxic men, relationships, and reality TV goss with Chloe. Stay tuned. Where's Your Head At is a podcast that talks all things relationships, breakups, reality TV, trending shows, and everything in between. This is your new go-to destination for laughs, gossip, intimate details, advice, and much more. Okay, Matt, before we start this episode, I feel like we have to kind of catch our audience up because Chloe is our guest today from Too Hot to Handle, and you guys have a little bit of history, don't you? Yeah, so a couple of years ago, a radio show here in Melbourne invited me on to go on a surprise blind date with another reality TV star, so she was actually Chloe. Did you know it was going to be her? No, it was a surprise. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, I actually watched Too Hot to Handle, so I knew who she was. Wow. And how did the date on live on air go? Um, I mean, it was pretty awkward. It was like <laughs> on air live. I'd just woken up because of the time difference. It was like... 5am Australia time. So I was a bit, you know, groggy. Did you guys talk after the radio date is the big question on my lips. So from what I remember, yes, I remember FaceTiming her maybe or something. It was a long time ago. I'm pretty sure I'll ask her and confirm, but pretty sure we spoke on the phone afterwards that night or a couple of nights later. That's so funny. I love this. I love the goss before an interview. (laughs) And why did you guys stop talking? Um, she just, I think from what I remember, I'll ask her, she ghosted me (laughs) from what I remember and unfollowed, I I, I don't remember. And unfollowed you? Yeah. I I can't remember exactly what happened. Oh my God. I remember she commented on something of mine a couple of times. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. I'm pretty (laughs) sure that's what happened. She commented on a couple of my photos then yeah that's not a good sign if she unfollowed you and stopped talking to you basically ghosted you well look on that note i think it's time to have a chat with chloe hey chloe welcome to the show welcome to where's your head at (laughs) thank you so much for having me on you look gorgeous um it's so nice to have you on I feel like there's an elephant in the room that we have to address before the interview. And that is that you and Nat went on a date once upon a time on radio. <laughs> Do you remember we that? We did, didn't we? It was a while ago now. I think it was when Talk to Handle first come out. It must have been at least four years ago. It was 2020, like right before we went into lockdown, like COVID was just, so they were like, it was like dating in lockdown, like, and it was a blind date, wasn't it? If I remember. Yeah, it was a blind date. I can't remember who set us up. 
<laughs> it was like this radio show here. I remember because it was like so early in the morning because of the time difference. It was like 5 a.m. maybe or something and I'd just gotten out of bed. And then you were looking like dressed to the nines and I literally just chucked a baseball cap on like usual and just... <laughs> Backwards. Yeah, and I was just like... And I was like, fuck, I could have done myself up here or bought flowers <laughs> or something. <laughs> so how did the date go, guys? Tell me everything because I'm, I'm not all over this. I can't really remember it. <laughs> So I wasn't that good then. I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't. You didn't leave impress life. clearly. Do you think it went well, Matt? I, I, I sorry. I thought it went very well. I was. <laughs> I thought it went very well. Didn't we? Did we speak afterwards? I think we exchanged Instagram handles, but I don't know if we went as far as exchanging numbers. I think we, did. we spoke maybe for a few we did. days. Yeah, we did. Get, we did get phone numbers. Did you? Yeah, we yeah. got WhatsApps. So, cl- oh. <laughs> Chloe's forgot. Well, I, I said, Matt, this is actually like, this is a big thing for you because you don't get rejected that often. This is good to see. I'm loving this. <laughs> I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, my heart's melting here. I'm broken. <laughs> I remember how did it, like, so we spoke for a bit and then if I remember correctly, did you not ghost me and then unfollow me on Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> I probably started seeing someone. Uh, you did the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, you did the right thing. When I'm in, I'm in. If you just snatched me up quick and fast, I would have been unfollowing everyone else but you, Mike. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I love it. Snooze, you lose, I guess. That's it. That's it. Well, Chloe, (laughs) are you dating? Are you in a relationship? What's the status right now? So I was in a relationship for around six or seven months um with this guy from america okay but downhill really fast towards the end so i'm now actually single oh no what happened oh i just we were both very different morally we had different beliefs different standards of what expectations for men and women are Mm. he yeah it was very women have this role men have this role this is what you need to wear and do, and et cetera. And I just thought, oh, oh nah. I can't be in a relationship black and white. Because I'm such a free spirit. And it just felt like I was I was moulding myself into someone that I wasn't and taming myself for the pleasure of his family and whatever. And I just thought, I'm not going to suppress my personality. I'm wild. Good I want to stay you. wild. Good for you. I love to hear that. Yeah, yeah, that's not okay. If you're dating someone, they need to accept you for you. So, How did you meet him? I actually met him on a dating app called Raya. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've spoken about that before. So is this guy like a celeb? um, I mean, he wasn't an established... um, I mean, he was a hockey player, so he was in the sport field. Right. Um, I didn't even know that hockey was a thing until I got to America. (laughs) And then when I started dating him, it was like... This is amazing. He does, he goes to the gym. He's got like real goals and aspirations for life. And when I met him, he was like this hockey player. I was like, oh, this is great. Have Aww. my fucking children. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no more hockey guys for me. Have you found it harder to date or easier to date since being on reality TV? Oh, so much harder. Yeah. How so? In all the ways that you wouldn't think it would be hard. Yeah. Like I thought 
I had people give me advice when I first got into the industry and they were like, oh, it's, it's, it's so hard to like date in the industry. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, it's going to be different for me. I'm going to have <laughs> lots of people. Classic. <laughs> but to be honest with you, I think because I'm so busy, because I'm always in different countries, because I haven't wanted to settle anywhere just yet because I'm only 24 and because... I'm getting asked to do different shows for Netflix or their dating or their competition shows. I think it's much harder in my mind to want to settle down with someone where I'm so sporadic all the time. Like, I don't know where whether I'm coming or going. Yeah. And the yeah. only downtime that I get really is with my family when I finish filming or come back from America. So that's one side of it. And then the other side is... Like my ex, for instance, he kind of had this whole perception of who I was because when we were dating, he sees certain things on Instagram of me working and doing photo shoots and podcasts and Netflix shows. And then when he actually spent time to get to know the real me, it was almost like a shock. Wow. He was like, whoa, you're actually quite rough around the edges. Like, you're not rich, <laughs> like what I think you are. Wow. Um your family aren't loaded with like a five bedroom mantra and you haven't had like the best upbringing and I feel like that's kind of not what I'm looking for. Did um, he say that to you or? Well, yeah, his, his family actually had a conversation with him and said, I just don't think she's the right girl for you because of, for one, her background. I feel like you need to be with a, a, a woman who has a more stable family background. Oh my God. And I just think little comments like that was like, okay, maybe you don't actually love me for me. You just love the Chloe that you thought I was. And that's okay. I just didn't realise that that would be the type of person that I would end up falling into dating because that, of being in the industry. It's weird. Yeah. I can't believe that. That is like the craziest, one of the craziest things I reckon I've heard. Like for someone to even think that that's like an important component of a good relationship just blows my mind. Did like, he come from a wealthy, mm -hmm. well-off family in America? Yeah, well, his family actually made it from nothing. So I feel like he should have had more empathy yeah. with yeah. my parents background but I mean I mean ever since he's been born he's lived in like nice big houses his family have stayed together and now they live in a massive fucking house in Orange County and it's very different to my background I mean his parents are lovely I can't fault them but I just think because our families were so different and our backgrounds are so different and our hometowns and our school life and our friendships and childhoods were so different he just couldn't get his head around the idea that he would be marrying into the family so it's just a bit like okay whatever yeah. you can't He's, accept fuck that guy he fuck sounds him like, off um, he is the worst he sounds that sounds like, awful he sounds like one of those preppies you know in the movies the college movies who wears like the polos and he's really arrogant like that sort uh, of yeah vibe. i have a picture in my yeah. head as well yeah very judgmental very judgmental what are your green flags of dating then so my green flags, when I look at, well, I mean, all all flags are green flags for me because I ignore all of the red ones. <laughs> That's the best answer I have ever heard and it explains me as well yes, to a T. Nah. <laughs> There's no such thing as a red flag. <laughs> I just pray that if I do ever spot any red flags, I'm just like, okay, maybe I can turn it green. <laughs> 
So would you say okay. <laughs> So would you say that you tend to attract like the quintessential fuck boy? I wouldn't say anymore. I wouldn't say that I attract the fuck boy. But because I I've been through a phase of dating fuck boys, um dating guys that don't like me or I don't know, falling into relationships after relationships. And I feel like now I'm at a point in my life where I'm starting to date outside my comfort zone. So I have a type, yeah, which is like tall, dark, handsome, tattoos, um, sleeves, yeah. like really kind of all streetwear vibe. Yeah. But sometimes I need to sway away from that because... I, f- I felt like I was trapped in a cycle of just forever ending shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I need to pull myself out of that and then start dating different men. So that's what I've done in, uh, in America. I started dating the hockey player and then quickly realised that I probably should not sway away from why no. <laughs> <laughs> it's the devil it's, you know or the devil you don't, I guess. So I know. It's, <laughs> it's all a lesson, right? I feel like we date and then we just slowly like get more and more wisdom and then eventually it gets to a point where you're just like, I'm taking no fucking shit and like, if I see even a glimpse of my ex in you, you're out. <laughs> that's exactly what I, that, that's the position I'm in right now. Yeah. I've dated so much where I'm so wise. Yeah. About green flags and red flags. <laughs> but there are a point where you get too paranoid about what if, because I feel like sometimes when I look at a guy that I'm dating, if he, sl- if he reminds me a slight bit of my ex and I'm like, <gasps> and then I start getting in a panic. <laughs> Are you dating at the moment? I'm not, no. No. Just back at home relaxing with your parents then? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just chilling. What's an ick for you, I guess, in relationships? Like what's something that even if you're just like dating someone that where they'll do something and you're like, ugh, I'm out. Like, yuck. If they have long toenails. <laughs> oh, that's that's one of my icks. It's so gross. Who has long toenails? Like, just, who lets them get them just, long? Ugh. Just cut them. L- long, dirty nails. Yeah, nah. Yeah. I once cut- dated this guy and his, like, pinky toenail was, like, so long and I wanted to say cut it, but I was like, maybe he can't cut it because it's, like, the only one that's long. It was so gross. <laughs> it's giving me the ick now just thinking about it (laughs) so you're saying before if you see like the toxic traits of your ex in one of your new like guys you're dating what would they be like what would something be that you'd notice and you're like nah that's it for me well i've recently just found out new toxic traits which would be i think Constantly being on the phone to someone when you're out with your friends and having them call you or text you constantly because they're worried about you. Would your ex do that? Worried about your your safety. It's like you're not. You're just paranoid that I'm hooking up with someone else. (laughs) Or you want to make sure that I am where I am with who I said I was going to be with. And I think it's really hard to separate the two in your own mind when you're in that relationship because you automatically think, well, they wouldn't be checking up on me because they trust me, they love me, they just care about me. When actually, 
Now I'm out of that bubble. It was very controlling. I've had phone calls from exes where they've been howling down the phone. <gasps> oh, I feel really poorly. Can you come home? Or they'd just start an argument yeah. for me to go home. And it's like, just let me have some fun with my friends. Oh. I don't drink. I'm sober. So just, I'm fine. I'm drinking Dr. Pepper. Chill. <laughs> How is dating sober? It took a little while to get used to when yeah. I first was sober. But to be honest with you, when I first got sober, I wasn't really dating anyone. I just wanted that that solid period of time to just kind of get my head right, to improve my life and my, my mental ability and just kind of work on my, my health a little bit. Yeah. And then when I did start dating... It was, it was nice because I didn't have to have a shot of tequila for confidence. Mm. I oh kind of learned how to I used own to skin. do that. Well, I to used to do that. Yeah. Mm. And I, to be honest, it would get to a point where I'd go out, I'd have a few drinks and I wouldn't want to sit and talk to him anyway. I'd want to be up dancing. Yeah. <laughs> so there wouldn't be any date going on. So me being, <laughs> gives me that. Clarity straight away. Do I like this person or not? And it's not clouding my judgment. Yeah. Because after a few days, I'm like, oh, do you want to come home with me? <laughs> what made you go on this sober journey? Because Anna and myself are doing Dry July at the moment. Yeah. We const oh, wow. Yeah, we constantly say that we want to like quit alcohol. Completely, and yeah. Completely. But I just find in like social environments, I feel a lot at ease like with alcohol. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm very respectful and what's the word admirable that you can actually quit it like it's yeah it's cool so it isn't just me that i mean how do i say this i haven't stopped drinking because i have willpower i stopped drinking because i hit rock bottom i knew i needed help i knew i had an alcohol problem yeah. and as soon as i admitted that and i was ready to surrender i started going to meetings like AA meetings, CA meetings, like anonymous meetings. And I met a group of people that had the same issue, that were around the same age, that had like two or three years sobriety. And I thought, I want what you have. Yeah. Teach me. How do you stay sober? And what I've come to learn is that addiction is a disease. Like yeah. I'm allergic to alcohol. As soon as I put one in me, I want more. Mm. As soon as I put anything mind-altering in me, I want more. Yeah. So understanding what happens when I take that first drink and then the effects that it leaves you with afterwards, that was step one for me. It was like, okay, I, I now fully conceded to my inner self that I am an addict. Yeah. What do I do about it? That's beautiful. Um, you go through the 12-step program. So you kind of go through these steps of clearing out all of your dark secrets and um, resentments, anyone that you have had problems with in the past. And then you go for a beautiful stage of amends. So you say sorry to people that you may have hurt through your drinking or your family members that have worried about you and your drinking. And then when you get towards the end, it's almost like you then help someone else that wants to get sober by continuing to, to go through the 12 steps with that person that um, is new in. So it's like a chain yeah. of people that, stay sober and I'm so glad that I found recovery because it's it's changed my life yeah 
It's so inspiring. And like Matt and I talk about it all the time. Send, constantly um, send each other TikToks and like um, reels of people talking about like yeah. their sober journey and how like they get the clarity and how their life changes once they've um, quit drinking. Mm. So it's definitely something I want to do. Yeah, I just got to find that um, not willpower. I saw Tom Holland speak about it and he was saying how he just relied yeah. on it. Yeah, they recently on uh, Jay Shetty's thing and he was talking about how he... Um, he'd rely on it in like social environments and I'm the same. Like I want to be able to go yeah. out and not like, where's my next drink? Where's my, I always want a drink in my hand. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say the one thing about sobriety and stuff and, and becoming sober is it's hard at the beginning. At the beginning, you're like, this is so weird. Like I'm yeah. out and I'm not drinking. <laughs> but when you get past the, the 30 day mark, try and get, try and get through the first week and the second week like every day, every day as it comes. And then when you get to the 30 day mark, it's like, okay, I've kind of proved to myself that I can do it and I don't have to do it in social settings. And then you start to feel more comfortable because at the beginning it's like, it feels really weird, but push to that 30 day mark and yeah. you should feel notch when you're out in, in social settings. How do you go with drunk people around you when you're sober? Because when I'm sober and I see someone drunk, <laughs> that <it>. actually <laughs> shits me to tears as well. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know about that. Maybe I'd drink just to, you know. <laughs> just block out everyone else's drunkness. Yeah, everyone um, else's drunkness. I mean, I've had partners that drink around me. I've had friends that have been really drunk around me. I mean, if they're really drunk, it really pisses me off. I'm like, you need some water. <laughs> yeah. But a mum mode kicks in. I'm the designated driver. I'm the one that makes sure everyone's home safe and sound. I'm the one that stops off at a kebab shop or a pizza <laughs> place on the yeah. You know, so it's nice to feel like I'm the mum of the group. You don't have to answer this question, but you did mention that there was like a rock bottom. Are you like comfortable talking about that or? Yeah, definitely. I mean... Without going into too much detail, because I'll be here for a long time, <laughs> it kind of progressed. So what you're taught in sobriety is that when you sit down with your sponsor, the person that's teaching you how to be sober, just like they are, they help you kind of analyse your life. So started when I was really young. I was like 13, 14, when I was like going to parks, drinking vodka and drinking other alcohol. Um, and then as I, as I got older, it started to become more normalised because I was around people that were always doing it and like smoking and, and all of that malarkey. And then as I got older and older and then Too Hot to Handle come out and then lockdown happened, it was like, what am I going to do? House parties. And then it kind of went from just being isolated to just being around loads of people that just wanted to party all the time and I was getting money coming I didn't have a nine-to-five job lockdown was in was in effect and then when the party would stop I would be at home on my own depressed mm. and then the suicidal thoughts started creeping in I'd say about five or six months after um wasn't really in a in a good headspace for a long time I was really 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 down and it, it was it was hard for me to admit that I was depressed because I had like in everyone's point of view it was like she's just been on Netflix mm. she's got her dream car she's got millions of followers on Instagram like what is this girl 
got to moan about like what's wrong with her so I I almost felt like my depression was invalidated because of what I actually had yeah and that's just coming to accept that you can be depressed and also have materialistic things that's kind of made me value almost coming from from nothing because it was like okay well now I've kind of I've tested and trialed all of this materialistic stuff. I know it's not going to keep me happy if I don't keep myself in check. Um, my rock bottom happened over numerous amounts of occasions. It's like a concoction yeah. of just little things that just kind of built up to the point where I was like, oh, I'm going to explode. Um, and my mum and dad started to notice that I wasn't answering my phone. I wasn't texting them back. I didn't really care. I stopped seeing my nieces and nephews, stopped going around the house. I would make commitments but never commit to them. I would say that I would go out on a family trip or a dinner and I wouldn't turn up. I just wouldn't care. Um, And that's not like me. Mm. And they started to notice that I was changing rapidly um, and it just progressed over time to me just in my flat, on my own, drinking by myself and just being really messy. Um, My personal hygiene went down the window. I didn't care for anything. I couldn't get out of bed. And it just got to a point where I just wanted to, I wanted to kill myself. I spoke to my dad and he's been to rehab and he's in recovery and he's sober. So he was like, I can see the signs, Chloe, like your progression has gone from this to this in the space of nearly a year. You need to kind of self out. So I went to an AA meeting and then um, I got sober. So, yeah, I mean, I could have another rock bottom. Yeah. But I talk about that, you know, everyone's rock bottoms are different and I could keep digging if I wanted to. Yeah, but I I just put that realization in place. Thank you for sharing. It's so yeah, powerful just hearing you say it because I like I don't talk to or hear a lot of people kind of like tell their story. So thank you so much for sharing. It's very powerful. And it's very um, powerful that you actually noticed that you were there as well and yeah. you had the ability to get yourself out. And now, obviously, you're doing a lot better than you were then. Would you say um, reality TV? Because you're saying how it all came at the same time would you say reality tv like affected your mental health at the same time i mean i have thought about this i mean i just think me being 1920 yeah having all the tools and all of the support of people around me but not knowing how to use it yeah Yeah. i just my management at the time could have been more efficient really um, I had quite a few conversations with them about my depression, about my suicidal thoughts and not knowing what purpose I had. It was almost like you're going to take pictures for Instagram and you're going to do a show every other year or every year and then that's your life. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I was young, I wanted to be a paramedic. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a midwife. Yeah. So it's like my my world has completely changed. Yeah. And it's it's hard to grasp. Like, okay, so what's my purpose? Like, what 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 does Chloe do on a day to day basis yeah. rather than take pictures? And I know I don't want to sound ungrateful because I'm extremely grateful for what I do. Yeah, I just think with a little bit more guidance, I think it could have it's it could have de-escalated the situation a little bit. But I mean, everything happens for a reason, I guess. Yeah. Have you ever thought about going back and studying to be a midwife or a paramedic? Yeah. I have, yeah. Aww. I have. 
I'm, I'm waiting for my visa to go over to America for uh, a couple of years. So hopefully when I'm out there, um, I can go to university or college and just study something. Like I loved learning about people. You're also only 24. Like really the world is your oyster. Like there's you can so do it young. all and it's like so exciting. Yeah. Do you receive, obviously you mentioned that you do have lots of followers on social media and we know that what comes with that can sometimes be very negative. What is it like for you receiving like hate? Do you receive hate? Not really, to be honest with you. Um, I'm quite I'm quite glad. I'm quite grateful. I think Netflix's audience are less toxic than the UK television shows. Right. Like Love Island. Matt, I don't know if you got any hate going on or coming off of Love Island? Um, Did you? I was I was quite polarizing, so I was like really like fifty fifty. People didn't quite understand my like emotional side and all that. So a lot of like people in Australia see an emotional man cry, and they're like, "Well, what's he crying for?" And I got a lot of hate around that, and a yeah. lot of like bullying and oh. stuff like that. But I, I yeah, I I thought it you know it's like part of it. I didn't let it get to me that much mm-hmm. yeah the I uk love yeah the uk love it's islands intense bad. yeah yeah they're full-on when yeah. i came off the show i didn't really get much hate i was lucky as well but like there's yeah. obviously things that have happened since where it's been like quite full-on and i'm like whoa when like, i say people are hectic yeah when i say hate <laughs> i don't mean so much like people like go like you fuck you it was just like you're a sook um, they would send me like memes of people crying and stuff like that. Oh, that's so mean. We were having, at the time, we had like really bad um, bushfires in Australia when the show ended. And I had a lot of messages of people telling me if my f- plane could fly over so I could put them out. Oh my God. What? Oh no. And I just be like real men cried is what it is. Look, Let I res- me live. I respected the creativity of it. I thought that's quite funny. So I was like, yeah, whatever. Play People on. are savage. <laughs> oh, Matt. Nah, it's all, it's all G. I mean, if you can't see a grown man cry and it makes you feel uncomfortable, I think the uh, the problem's with you. Totally. 100%. I agree. Mm. I love it when... You're safe. You're safe with us. Yeah, that's it. All right. <laughs> okay. Hey, when you ghosted me, I did cry. So. Because <laughs> you've not forgotten that, have you? No, well, we, we, we refreshed it in my memory before, and I was like, "That's right." That's got a resentment. He resents me. I don't. It's all. It's all fair. Like it's all fair love. And it's love. all fair and love. <laughs> and it's still the one girl that rejected him. He can't take it. Four long years, <laughs> Chloe. Four long years. <laughs> oh God. Um, I did see on your social media because I suffer a lot with UTIs, and I saw recently you posted something about UTIs, and I was wondering if you could explain it to our audience because. We actually spoke about it on the we podcast. We spoke about it on our podcast because I was like, Chloe has spoken about some sort of cure for UTIs. Like, what is this? <laughs> right. I am literally an advocate for fucking UTIs. I'm not even joking. So is Anna. I've had, 
since I was really young. And I got to a point where I thought it was normal. Because when you experience something for a length of period, like of time, from like a young age, it's like, okay, this is obviously just what happens to women, yeah. right? And I think we're so caught up in our heads as women. This must be normal. Period cramps are really bad. This is normal. Like, it's fine. And every time I go to the hospital and I'm like, oh, because like I don't go to the GP or the doctor's surgery. I have to go to like a hospital because as soon as I get a, a, a water, we call it a water infection. Okay. So as soon as I get a water infection, I start urinating blood within two days. Oh my you want to drip. It goes to my knees. So I have to act on it like in- instantly. Wow. Ouch. And what they do is they give me antibiotics. And I'm, I went to America for three months and I had four water infections. Four. Scary. In the space of that. So I was taking endless amounts of antibiotics. I was ill i felt really run down i was tired all the time my immune system was shot to bits and when i come home i said you know what enough's enough i'm going to the a private hospital so i paid this doctor 200 pound for a consultation and he said it's very abnormal to be having that many utis um i had loads of tests scans i had to wee in a, a toilet with a a sensor to sense how hard I am urinating and how oh much God. is left afterwards. Wow. <laughs> um, and a mil of my urine was kept in my bladder after I actually thought I'd finished to go to the toilet. So that was what the problem was. My urethra was too tight. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so it couldn't actually really leave my bladder. So it was, it was curating bacteria in my bladder. Um, So I had my urethra stretched in surgery and I haven't had one since and it's been about eight months. Um, Even just hearing you just like talking about it is so validating to me because I like come on the podcast like every week and I'm like, I've got another UTI, another UTI. And it is, Mm -hmm. it's so traumatic. It's so painful. It's just like so frustrating. I don't know, like I've done like lots of testing. Like I've had a cystoscopy and they were like, like everything's normal and just hearing you talk Mm -hmm. about it it's just like very yeah very validating to hear but it's so interesting because I've never heard anyone talk about like that what is it your urethra hole being too tight yeah so they said that it's so there's certain muscles down there I don't know where but it couldn't it can clench to a point of when you wee you wee a certain amount so your blood is, blood is not full right. and but it can still urine in there without you knowing and they didn't know that until I had heart like I had so many tests day after day after day and I was like I am not stopping until you know what's wrong with me because the scans that I had were like you're fine yeah and the camera up my bladder was like you're fine but he struggled to get the camera in my urethra and wow. he was like this is weird and then he thought, hang on a second, your urethra is probably too tight. Wow. Um, and all they do is they put you under sed- sedation and then they put uh, a tube inside your urethra and then they blow it up with air to stretch it. Right. it. takes about 25 minutes. And for someone that used to have them constantly, I am I can now say touch wood. Yeah, touch wood. <laughs> I haven't had one since. 
How was the recovery for oh, that? that? Was awesome. yeah, yeah, I was like, <sighs> how was it with the pain after? I couldn't have sex. Yeah, makes sense for like two weeks, which is fine. <laughs> Long time. Um, it stings a tiny bit for like a few days afterwards when you wee, but other than that, you're fine. Wow. Like it's, I would go through it a thousand times over. Pardon my ignorance, but um, wouldn't it? just go back to the normal size if all you're doing is blowing it up? It does, yeah, it does. Okay. So it goes back after six months. Okay. Um, I think that's 40, it's only 40% of patients that get this done, it actually stays. Okay. But the pain that I was in, every time I had a UTI, I just I was like, listen, I'll try it. If yeah. it doesn't work, then I'll just have to get it done again. Yeah. And if that means once or twice a year getting it blown up again, I will happily go ahead with it. <laughs> because it's like paying for all these prescriptions and having to go to hospitals early yeah. hours in the morning or it spreading to my kidneys and having to go on all these antibiotics. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's much worth paying the money to, to get the surgery done once a year. Absolutely. How have you helped your body to recover after all the antibiotics? Because that's something that I've kind of been dealing with, like trying to flush out all of the antibiotics and like get good bacteria into my body again. So have you heard of probiotics? Yeah. You should really be taking them during and after or like every day, just every day. You can get it in liquid form. You can get it in sachets. You can get it in uh, vitamin form. And you can just take it whenever. So it, it just, it restores your good bacteria in your gut. Yeah. Oh, my God. This one's for you, Anna. So <laughs> if, you, if you have a UTI and you take antibiotics yeah. and you're constantly taking antibiotics, do you get thrush because of yeah, taking the antibiotics? I... I used to, but re in more recent times, I haven't. But I did I did see this thing where it says, like, to get rid of thrush, you, like, take a warm bath with apple cider vinegar, like a cup of apple cider vinegar in it, and it, like, stops the thrush. Little tip for everyone oh. listening. I get caniston. caniston. Just whack the caniston. Yeah. <laughs> caniston is, like, for thrush, so it's, like, for yeast infection. I've used some of that and it's disgusting. I remember, oh my God, no, too much information. No, I'm tell just us. No, tell us. It's, it's like you you syringe it in. Yeah. No one warned. I thought it would just dissolve. Yeah. So I put my knickers on, put a little bit of tissue there just in case, you know, excess. Yeah. And I'm walking around. I was in an airport and I was like, oh, what's that? <laughs> it was a bit weird. <laughs> I got on the plane, right? Got on the plane, went in the toilet, pulled my knickers down. <laughs> I nearly had a heart attack, mate. There was this thick cottage cheese looking <laughs> motherfucker in my knickers. <laughs> and I thought, I think I need an ambulance and I'm 50,000 foot high. So what did I do? I called an air hostess. <laughs> really sorry. I think I'm having an allergic reaction in my vagina. Can you help me? <laughs> and I showed her. Oh and she's like, that's just the caniston tablet. It's doing its thing. Let it, let it run its course. I was so embarrassed. Chloe, I was mortified. Amazing. So does it dis discharge the thrush then? And that's what it was? No, it was the tablet. So the tablet. So the tablet. Like oh. 
and then once it's kind of coated your vagina, it just comes back out. Wow. <laughs> Medicine is so fascinating, isn't it? <laughs> you learn something you new every time we come on this podcast. I love it. <laughs> I would probably never have known that unless you told me that, to be fair. Like, when would that ever come? I don't think you'll be needing it. Yeah, it's never going to come <laughs> up in my life. If you have a girlfriend or, or, or you're seeing someone and they're like, I think there's this like cottage cheese thing, you'll be like, I know what that is. I've got you. Don't worry. <laughs> you don't, don't stress. <laughs> You've been on Too Hot to Handle. You've been on The Circle. What's your fave show to go on? So I went on a show in the UK okay. called um, Hunted. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. like, I love it. It's one of the biggest shows in the UK. And basically, you kind of go on the run from the police yeah. for cancer. So it's like a charity. You're raising money to help cure cancer or whatever. And you're, you're partnered up with someone. And I was partnered up with Vivian, uh, who's a drag queen. And she's hilarious. <laughs> like, so funny. We were on the run for like two weeks. We had to hitchhike everywhere. We had to camp in fields, in farmers' fields. We had to ask members of the public for money because we couldn't eat. We were starved. Oh, my God. It was like a real eye-opening experience to like how strong mentally I actually am. Um, I broke my finger on the show. I oh fell over God. running away from it. And I snapped my finger in three places and now it's permanent. I can't bend it. I've got metal around my bone. Oh but my I continued to run. I didn't give up. <laughs> yes, I um, love it. How long did you last? Well, we came second. So we well got caught done. on the day. Traction, yeah. And there was like Olympians That's on the team. That's so good. So. Very, yeah, impressive. That's well, very impressive. It's coming out in Australia again yeah. here. But they get just like people to do it from the public. And um, I might watch it now after I've spoken to you about it. I've always been intrigued. Yeah. Is this celebrity edition that you did of this? Yeah. So they normally do like civilians. Yeah. Um, but they have a special celebrity edition. They have, they've actually had a couple of seasons, to be fair. Okay. It's really good. It's so fun. Really good. I love that. I love it that that's your favourite one because it's like it's almost like all of the other shows are amazing but like it's kind of like the accomplishment of that show is the mm -hmm. thing that makes it like your favourite, which I kind of love. I think the the dating shows at the minute, that I reckon they'll get boring. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I want to find the love of Well, did you realise when you went on Too Hot to Handle that it was going to be as big as it was? Not even the executives. Like yeah. I remember one of the executives called me and he was like, fuck. <laughs> and I was like, I know. <laughs> I'm not expecting this. But they were really good, to be fair. Like yeah. during lockdown, when the show first come out, uh, we had like a team of therapists and psychs call us and ask if we were okay and stuff. But yeah, it was fun, really fun. Ariana Grande followed me. Wow. And then unfollowed. And then unfollow the you. Yeah. That hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Matt's like karma. Well, I just karma. if you're going to give it to me, I will take it. Don't don't crack the door because I'll kick it off. Ariana Grande <laughs> is your favorite Matt. person ever. Yes. 
you need to you need to get the messages up because I need to know what our conversation looked like. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I shouldn't admit to that. Do you have them? No, I deleted them. Ah. Uh. Oh. <laughs> Chloe's like, thank I was like, God. Off. Yeah. <laughs> Chloe, what show is next for you? Oh. <laughs> How do I say it? There's some internal conversations with Netflix. Okay. For about me. That's exciting. Doing something with them. So, yeah, that's hey. that's what's next, I think, yeah. I've also been asked to go on a show uh, in the UK that is uh, a dating show, but I can't say what one just yet, obviously. But when it's out, it'll be all over social media. That's so, so exciting. Is there any shows then that you want to be on? Maybe you could answer that, like that you've seen in the reality world and you're like, hey, I'd be good at that. I was thinking maybe if I gained a little bit more weight, Survivor. Survivor, yeah. Okay. I want to, That would uh, be a great challenge. You want to do that. I want to do mm-hmm. uh, Naked and Afraid. Naked and Afraid, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I know if I'd feel comfortable getting proper nude. Yeah, no way. I would hate that. That's like my idea of a living nightmare. Imagine all like the camera crew and you're like trying to start a fire naked and they're nah, just standing there nah, like... <laughs> nah. And like I would be so paranoid that bugs would try and call up my vajayjay. <laughs> it's true. It happens. We I actually think. had this conversation because we were talking about. I was saying like maybe like UTIs are because like everyone has laser hair removal these days, but then we were like no, but like underwear stops the bacteria. But if you're doing naked and afraid and you've had laser hair removal, like you're cooked. Like I'd have UTIs like all day every day. It would be hell. You'd have to get the surgery. <laughs> I'd probably have to get the surgery. You'd have to. <laughs> before you go on, you'll have to get the expansion. So you did mention before that you are trying to get a visa to move to, is it LA that you're thinking of moving to? Yeah. So I'm, it's such a long process, yeah. honestly. It's not just as simple as, can I come to America, give me a visa? There's so much work that goes into it. Like you need to prove everything about you and you need to have at least 15 people write references wow. statement um you need to be sponsored by a company it's just crazy but i'm i'm at the final stages um it should be done in the next couple of weeks and then hopefully we can send it off and get my visa back in the next couple of months but they're yeah. saying it's going to take around five months wow. so well Chloe, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Good luck with your visa and we will be watching with our eyes peeled to see what this Netflix little thing is and everything else that you have. Anna's um, going to go look into getting that surgery now for yeah. a UTI, as I can tell. <laughs> yeah, thank you for talking to me about UTIs. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, my darling. Thank you so much for having me on. And... Um, I, d- I actually didn't realise that I unfollowed you, Matt, to be fair. I must have just been... Thought, Look, I'm yeah, actually, I'm joking. I'm not as, I'm not as hung up as I'm putting on to Florida. <laughs> uh, I love you, really. I, um, I, re- yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Not let's not go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, let's not open the can of work. Chloe, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.